thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And we've got such a cool show for you guys this week. We've actually had the pleasure of getting some questions sent to us from some of you guys. And we're super keen to dive down the rabbit hole and dig into answering some of those questions for you because we feel like it kind of those questions really cover all of our three expertise that when we come together I think is kind of the magic that we bring so we're really really excited to um, to dive into these questions with you guys and share our thoughts and our views on how we can support you the best and what I want to do before we get stuck into the show is I really want to encourage you guys up front to reach out to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and go ahead and either send us a private message or pop a message on the page directly so that everybody else can benefit from your questions as well. We think that there's nothing better than being able to respond to you directly and it kind of puts us right into your lounge room, which is where we love being. So I just thought I'd quickly let you guys know that that's, that's something that we're always looking for. And So go ahead and go ahead and do that. Now, Kimmy, girlfriend, yes? hit us with the questions. Hit us with what we're up to. What are we, where are we up to this week? Oh, jeepers, jeepers. I didn't know I was going to have to give you the questions. Hang on. Hold oh, on. Hold I've on, got it. On. I've got oh, it good. Yeah. I'll, I'll oh, do yes. the first one. Yeah, yeah. i got okay, it. Cool. So, hey, girls, I love your podcast. That's the end of the question. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good enough for me. We're done. Um, Anyway, I would love it if you could cover things related to stopping birth control. Now, when I first read this, Kim, I went stopping birth control. That almost seems like a ambiguity, but I understand what she's talking about. So I'll go on. I'm currently suffering from horrible acne dandruff since stopping uh i I believe the contraceptive pill is she's called it ocp so oral contraceptive pill and if i wasn't hoping to start a family i would be so tempted to go on it just to clear my skin again i eat super well and drink plenty of water and use natural or homemade skincare products i am sure these are there are plenty of other girls facing these same issues and i believe a podcast addressing these issues would be very beneficial thank you uh, well, I, I can, can, will I chime in here and then Kimmy, you yep. want to come in or do you want to chime in first, Kim? No, no, go for it. All right. So what happens is that um, we seem to use medications as our first uh, port of call. So when a young girl at the age of, let's say, 14, 15 or 16, and the problem is, is that many of our young girls are getting their periods Uh, far sooner than what we used to. So we have some girls that get their periods at 9, 10 and 11. And if, let's say, the period is heavy or um, they're struggling with the cycle or they've got a lot of pain or they're getting skin issues, then they'll go to their doctor and it's just what the doctors do is that they will put them on the oral contraceptive pill. So the oral contraceptive pill manipulates our hormones with synthetic hormones. But the problem is this, is that when we don't address the root cause and we go straight for the jugular and we just mask the symptom, which is the poor skin, the painful periods, the long periods, whatever it may be, then we start to um, create a knock-on effect. And when we see that there are many foods that have um, xenoestrogens in them, and let me explain what a xenoestrogen is. So a xenoestrogen is something that is synthetically made by man. It's a chemical, but it mimics estrogen. So we have these girls that are, and, and boys that have too much estrogen 
the xenoestrogen, which is not the real estrogen, which is our human estrogen, blocks receptor sites and starts to cause health issues. And those health issues can range from skin issues to period problems to fertility to um, endocrine um, issues. And the endocrine system includes, you know, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, the thyroid gland, the adrenals, the ovaries, the testes. Um, so, you know, all of, these, all of this system can be put out of whack and it could only be one of it. So people are all talking about adrenal fatigue. They're talking about, you know, Hashimoto's or Graves' disease, which is part of the thyroid. They're talking about infertility. So what happens is that these young women are put on the pill there's a, a mass of xenoestrogens in our food supply, and one of them is DDT, which has never gotten out of our food supply. Uh, glyphosate is known as a xenoestrogen as well, and we've done podcasts on, on glyphosate. There are 75,000 chemicals in the world that man has made that is in our water supply. People who take medications and pee into their toilets, that that drug is peed out, goes into our sewerage systems, then gets back, cycled back into our water systems. And then, you know, if you're not drinking filtered water and you're drinking municipal water, then you're going to have these drugs going through the system. It's, this is not, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. This is all through science um, that I've read it. And, and what's interesting is that um, I was at Terry Wall's conference in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, USA, and they were discussing these, these chemicals that are in, in the water and in our food and um, in our skin care, as Kim will attest to. She'll talk about um, obesogens, no doubt, and xenoestrogens when I stop talking. <laughs> um, but I just think that what we have here is that we have a young lady, and I'm assuming here because I don't know her case history, but we have a young lady that probably had one of those issues. She was put on the pill, and she may have been on the pill for 10, 15 years, and she never addressed what the real issue was. And I get her. I get she's tempted to go for the quick fix. But the fact that she's, you know, pregnant or not pregnant, but wants to be, have a family, then I don't know if she's having problems with fertility or, or what these things are. But this would be my answer to her. I know I, know I went long-winded, but I felt that it was important to understand the history behind what's happening in order to understand what may need to happen in order to get well. And, yes, she's doing good skin, skin care. Her diet is good. I don't, you know, I don't know what her diet is like. But I would be looking at everything in the home to clean out anything that was blocking her estrogen receptors. I would be looking at the microbiome and her gut. I would definitely be looking at, you know, we know that, Kim, and I want you to talk about this, that many skincare products could be called organic and natural and they're not. So, she, you know, that needs to be looked at. Organic food, I know it's more expensive, but we know that at least it's got least, less chemicals. I can't, I can't guarantee there's no chemicals or no xenoestrogens, but we can do the best with what we've got. So by addressing the root cause of the issue here, then the, the idea is then the fertility will increase, her skin should increase, that dandruff should dip, disappear. Now, how long is that going to take? Is like, well, how long is a piece of string? It could take months. It could take um, weeks. It, it could take a year. But what I do know is that when we do that before we have children, then we're cleaning out our system and enabling our bodies to give birth to a child that is not going to have those ill effects. And what's happening at the moment is that you know, we're seeing unprecedented amounts of very sick children. And is that generational or is that just what's happening in this generation? I, I, you know, nobody can really tell that. But the thing is have a really good clean out and perhaps spend 12 months getting yourself right. And I know, Kim, you did that before you had your children. 
for me, I felt like I'd always done things that way. And so I didn't feel like I needed to clean out. I kept eating the way I'd always eaten. But in hindsight, I look back and I realized that my epigenetic and genetic history of my mom and her family and my mum being exposed to arsenic, lead, DDT um, and all of the chemicals that were sprayed on the farm that she lived in in Iowa, USA um, and the, the diseases that I've seen in our family, it probably would have been a good thing for me to, to do a good clean out. So that's, you know, for me, that's my take on it. And um, I'm happy if she wants to call our nutritionists to, to help and um, get this working for her because I've seen people say they've got a good diet and then I see it and it it isn't. And I'm not saying anything against what she's saying. I just don't know, you know, when you don't have that that history. So um, that's my take on it. What about you, Karen or Kim? Oh, you know, Cindy, I'm interested. I'm just blown away as I'm listening to you here. I have a lot of my friends that are using the Mirena now. Oh. or Myrena or, you know, however they pronounce it. And I'm fascinated to really perhaps even understand a little bit more about that because the doctors are saying, like a girlfriend of mine went on it. She was um, bleeding profusely for years and, you know, outside of her period cycle she'd find herself bleeding and it was, you know, all challenging to to manage it and then she got really bad cramping and probably had had really bad cramping that would put her on the lounge for two days every cycle and she'd had that since she first got her period so she did it tough right from the very beginning and then went on the pill for a little while um, but then went off it and um, probably about five years ago went on the Mirena out of absolute desperation and the doctors had said to her that because it wasn't an oral contraceptive and it's just progesterone localised around the uterus because it's, it's an IUD, um, it is less harmful. And all that it does is um, it stops you getting your period altogether. So I'm really, you know, I'm quite interested to see, even if some of our listeners have had more experience with the Mirena as well in terms of how that's affected their ability and their fertility to, you know, to have, to have children. I just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel nervous about it though. And, and there's so much negative um, information that's quite frightening about the Mirena on, and, and, uh, on the internet. And even um, oh, Dr. Selman? Yes. Yeah, she's, she speaks, um, you know, against it as well, that it's, it, it's, not, it's not a healthier alternative. Do you? I, I, I had it. You had the Mirena? Yeah, the Mirena. I had it for five years after I had um, Jacob. So, yeah, yeah I, and it was, I didn't feel right about it. I didn't know any different. I didn't. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't do it for skincare reasons. But um, as soon as I started researching it, actually, it wasn't five years. It was probably more like four. But as soon as I started researching it, I realised that yeah, it just it wasn't in line with my values anymore. But I think the key for me while I was on it is I thought it was the best thing um, in that moment. So whether psychologically it just seemed to have a great effect or I didn't notice the effect or who knows what the long-term effects will be. Um, but it was just easy. And ultimately that's at the end of the day what it comes down to is it's just so flippant easy. Um, I didn't like the fact that I didn't menstruate. I didn't like the fact that I didn't have my cycles. So the whole time I kind of fought with it. Um, I just know that I've done a lot of healing since I came off it or had it taken out and I, I don't I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know what's the answer. People talk about all the, the chemicals that are on condoms, people talk about the pill, people talk about the um the diaphragm. Like there's just it's tough for women to actually, mm. you know, decide which is the best method of use. And those of us with teenage girls and boys, it's like um, Cindy and I have talked about this before, but it seems to be that condoms are the easiest and probably the, the safest for ease, but also protecting from any um, STDs as well. So, look, I, I haven't got the answer. I'm not medical on it. All I know is I did it. I did it. Would I do it today? No, I wouldn't. Mm. 
Well, I, I like the, uh, it was always the IUD without the hormone. You know, that's what it is, is the marina is the IUD without the hormone. I mean, yeah, the marina is the yes. IUD with the hormone and the hormones um, levonogestrel. And that was always used as the day, the night, the, um, what did they call it? The night after pill. You know, if you thought you oh, the morning pill. after the morning after pill, the night after pill. Hello, <laughs> yes, hello. So it was it was an emergency contraception. That's what they used it for. So you know that it aborts a baby. So to have it localized, and if the IUD is not working, then this will do the the next step. It will just you know have the baby aborted. And I, I just think if you read the insert of, um, of that drug, you might think twice about it. And if you realise what the IUD is doing, and the IUD is basically irritating the uterine wall, constantly irritating it. And there has to be consequences for that. And if you're happy to put up with those consequences, um, and that might be 10 years down the track, that might not be. And remembering that we're all individuals, that while one person works really well with the marina and never have any problems, the next person will have the worst side effects. Um, so it just, I think it really depends mm-hmm. um, who you are as a human being and, and you know, what, what you're prepared to do. Yeah. It's a shame though, and I, it's a shame that a person or the woman has got to do the trial and error um, with this sort of thing. You know, because you just don't know what your side of you don't know how your body's going to respond. So, if you're looking for a solution, you're looking to tr- for trial and error all the time. You know. Yeah. Look, I'm just reading a blog by a girl, and and she basically said, in the first three months after the insertion of the Mirena, I put on 12 kilos. It caused pimple outbreaks. I also experienced a roller coaster of emotions and huge mood swings, heart palpitations, anxiety, bloating. You name it, I got it. I removed it after six months. Yeah, so, right. Whereas Kimmy just said her, she successfully used it. So yeah. it it just really depends on the person. Uh, and what we're learning, which, and one of the things that I learnt while I was at Terry Walls, as well as um, during our summit, Kim, at the, and I say Kim because you weren't there, Karen, we missed That's you. That's all right. That's okay. at, our, at our nutrition summit, um, we had um, a really good talk about, um, you know, like genetics and epigenetics and uh, what, you know, what we can um, see in in the genes where some people will be able to, let's say coffee, some people will be able to uh, use coffee very quickly. It doesn't cause palp- palpitations or anxiety because some people, when they drink coffee, have palpitations and anxiety. So for some people, they have the gene and the, that creates the enzyme that breaks down coffee really fast and they can have 10 a day and it doesn't affect them. Whereas you may also have that gene um, that basically you don't have, you've got a mutation in that gene. It doesn't have the enzyme. You don't break down the coffee. The coffee stays in your system longer and you can probably have one a day and it still causes heart palpitations and anxiety. And for me, I can have one coffee, but if it's too strong, it drives me crazy for the next couple of hours. I have to be really careful which, you know, which one I get. So we're starting to learn that, there are different mutations and different alleles um, to our gene sequencing that produces enzymes that's able to perhaps break down certain hormones. And that's why, you know, we have such imprecision medicine. It's not precision. It's just that what, what our doctors are told is if there's this problem, take this medication and all will be well. But what we're realising is that let's take um, a statin drug. A statin drug can be given to 25 people and only one person will benefit from it. That's the precision, imprecisionness of our medicines. And, and that's why, you know, one, one person says, oh, Miranda was the best thing I ever did, never had any consequences for it. And then you have this other woman who is saying, I put on 12 kilos, caused pimple outbreaks and so on and so on. And I think we're going to get to where precision medicine is going to be targeting our genetic makeup and seeing what works and what doesn't work. 
so that we, we don't have these trials and errors that we're going to have to do. And I realise this is probably going off the topic for that um, young lady, but maybe that's what that young lady needs to do is to have a look at her genetic makeup and then um, from there figure out what's the, first, the best course of action for her health and what she needs to do. I think I think to keep a if if she didn't want to go that that to that depth I mean acne is a pretty uh, it's it's an ugly thing I know it's an awful thing to have I've had it and I know that it's a very frustrating thing to have but there's even simpler things that you could do to 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 start the process most acne has approximately and and this is just what I was taught around an eight-week cycle so if you looked at an eight-week kind of detox of some sort that you could look at um, as a minimum start and of course the the, the liver is one of the biggest detoxing um, organs of the body. So just simple things like starting the morning with a lemon and maybe cayenne pepper tea or lemon and um, honey, some sort of, you know, like a, an organic manuka honey could be helpful, but even still just the plain lemon or apple cider vinegar in a glass of water. Um, dandelion root tea is a really nice detoxifying tea that I've you know that I do and definitely recommend staying away from all processed foods but particularly sugars and of course alcohol which is a, is a sugar so if you looked at it as an eight-week um, process then you could help your gut and your skin and everything that way and that could also include obviously with so much talk around the microbiome and the gut you know things like taking a good quality the micro, uh, sorry, probiotic and prebiotic. So really helping to support the gut um, alongside of that. Now that's not going to plaster it when we know that the gut issues can go so much deeper and bigger. However, that could be a great starting point. It could be just a catalyst to help get you over the line. You may not have this long term. It could just mean that your body is craving a six, eight week detox. Um, you know, adding your fermented foods to every meal having your sauerkraut or your kimchi just to support that. Now, I know, again, not everybody is good on these products, but this could be just some of the things that I would look at. And maybe I know that um, all three of us aren't huge on supplements, but I do believe that supplements have a place. I think we all agree that it has a place when your body is stressed and acne is a sign that your body or your skin or your hormones are stressed. So um, zinc, we know, unless you're prepared to eat quite a few um, beautiful ugh, oysters, oysters. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then, you know, getting a really good quality and go through your naturopath or holistic integrative doctor. Don't just go to the chemist and get one over the counter. Get a really good zinc supplement. <coughs> Some people say your omega-3 supplements are a really good one to bring in here because that's the one that we're lacking the most. And I'd even speak to a herbalist, a um, someone that understands which herbs you could be drinking or taking at the same time. Of course, I don't advocate the internal um, application of essential oils, but you could be doing beautiful compresses with things like cypress, lavender, German and Roman chamomile, frankincense, um, beautiful patchouli, immortel. These are all beautiful oils that you could be using externally onto gently cleansed skin. So I would probably avoid a foaming cleanser altogether and I'd be using a more milky, gentle cleanser. Those beautiful um, coconut, not coconut, they're, they're like cucumber sponges. They're these... I know they feel really gently exfoliating on the skin. They've got to stay moist the whole time, but that's a lovely gentle way to exfoliate without stripping the skin. Um, you could look at certain masks, but then I, Karen would know more about this than I do, but you don't want a really deeply drawing and drying mask because that's just going to increase your sebum production. Um, and one of the best things you could do to help your skin and detoxifying is actually exercise. You know, get out there and walk the beach and bare feet or walk, um, to, you know, earth yourself. But get some oxygen flooding into your skin. And we know that with more oxygen and nutrients flooding the skin, we can also support those blocked sebaceous glands or the overactive sebaceous glands that are causing a lot of issues. And unfortunately for a lot of people, when they're stressed about their skin, they, they may find sleep as an issue too. So you might want to look at a um, at your sleeping habits. I mean, I know that's not as scientific and as in-depth as what you're saying, Cindy, and I think, oh my gosh, if, if, if everyone could follow what you're saying, it would be brilliant. But that might be just some little quick 
quick ways that you may find within eight weeks you've got completely different skin in your body. That's what I did. I did an eight-week detox when I went off the pill and decided to, to have our babies. Now, we did the liver cleansing diet, both of us, and I never had the skin issues. So um, to me, it was Dr. Sandra Gabot was the big name back then. So I followed her eight-week liver cleansing diet, and that could be something too. I love what you're saying, Kimmy. I think um, it's a holistic approach that we have to do. And you were right. You're right about the herbs. Herbs are really powerful, um, and we we forget to put them into our diet. And especially, don't you have those herbal teas, Cindy? Don't you have? Yeah, I've got your... the I've got the um, uh, inflama inflammation ease, which is formulated um, by scientists um, who have an amazing database of. Uh, Chinese herbs and all the components of the Chinese herbs and how they target specific disease targets, put it that way. So um, we know that turmeric helps with inflammation, but we also know that Chinese herbs do too. And so um, by using them, we can decrease the inflammation. And, and it's something that you drink every day or you take every day because we've ended up putting it in a powder form. So you can put it in with hot water and have it as a tea or you can add it to um, like a salad dressing and put it on your, on your salad or you can add it to a date squish or you can um, put it in a, a muesli or put it on top of your porridge. So there's many ways that you can have it. You don't always have to have it as a tea. So um, these, you know, those help well. And we do know that Chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years. While they know by culture and tradition exactly what Chinese herbs to use, what our scientists have done is that they've gone and said, hey, this is why the Chinese have known this for thousands of years, is here's the science behind it. And that's what, you know, that's what we've done with um, these beautiful scientists. Um, so with everything that you've said and, and that what and I've said, and, and I think becoming educated, so there's lots of good books out there. There's um, What's that book? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Francesca Nash is the name of the author. She's um, got a brilliant book out there. So I'll find that book and I'll make sure we put it in um, the Wasn't it? Um, yes, Natural Babies, um, something. I'll have a look at it while you're talking. Yeah. yeah. So Francesca Nash is a naturopath out of um, Sydney and she really digs deep into the whole fertility, infertility, medications, drugs, what can we do? How can we do it? And she has an amazing method for birth control. And I, I just think that when we start to learn our bodies, a lot of people think that they can get pregnant all the time. They don't realise that their cycles are ebbing and flowing, that progesterone and estrogen is changing on a daily basis and that we're given cues by our body when we're fertile and when we're not fertile. And there's only a small time of the month um, that you are fertile. But Francesca Nash has noted, and I know everyone's going to find this really weird, but she has noted that um, on, the, on your birthday and where the moon was on your birthday, you can have a double ovulation in a month. And that's why I love her work is she really digs deep. It's not just like the old rhythm method or the mucus method or the billings method. She has actually really dug deep into how this works and has done research on it. So uh, I just, I would get her information. So Kim says, has texted me. I love it. I love how we communicate while we're doing this. So it's called <laughs> The Natural Way to Be <laughs> by Francesca Naish, and Naish being spelled N-A-I-S-H. There's also contraptions, and I call them contraptions. One's called OverQ. Um, oh, gosh. There's a couple of contraptions that you can use, and they're little tiny computers. Um, and it's like when you get up every morning, you, you put the pill in your mouth. Well, you put this contraption in, contraption in your mouth, and it takes the temperature um, of you know your body um, and it will put on this computer as to whether whether you want to have a baby or not have a baby it will put on the computer 
um, whether you're fertile or you're not fertile. It's um, it, and it works brilliantly. It's overcure. It's about 350 US, and I think you can buy it in Australia. Uh, I think there's somebody who brings it in, but look it up. Overcure spelt O V U C U R E, I think. But what I'll do is that uh, in the notes I'll attach a PDF that tells people about Francesca Nash about. Um, all these contraptions, what other things we can use, how to become educated um, regarding this. And I think it's really up to mums to start educating their young teenage girls in the beginning, in the early part, as well as their boys. I, I, I believe that there needs to be an education around this. You know, we're being educated about Australian history and, and all this other stuff. And I think we're missing the basics of what our children should be learning, like Relationships, Kim and Karen, you would absolutely agree with me on this one. We're not teaching about relationships. We're not teaching about um, our bodies and how they work and fertility and what's what's responsibility on a male's point of view and um, money skills and entrepreneurial skills. And these are the things, to me, we need to be teaching and we're, and our parent, the parents aren't teaching either. So it's being sadly missed out unless you've got parents who are really thinking. Agreed. I think that's true. I think if you've got if you've got a family environment that's very progressive and that actually understands that there's more than math, science, and English, um, you know, like our traditional curriculum, then I think that the kids have gone long. They've got they've they've gone a long way already. And I think that's a really um, you know those kids are really lucky. I think for everybody um, else and particularly for the, you know, our, the young girl that we're talking about right now, I think, you know, certainly um, the other side to consider too is to potentially ask a different kind of question. Sometimes, you know, we can get caught in a cycle of everything that's wrong and we're naturally wired as humans to problem solve. So we do find that oftentimes we get caught in what's wrong with this, this is wrong, that's not working, I need to fix this, I need to fix that, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. And it puts us into a place of feeling like we're in control when we um, give ourselves ways to solve the problems that exist in our world. But in actual fact, what we find when it comes to the psychological journey, the way that we have been conditioned actually doesn't work and it never has done. So what I want to encourage um, our listeners to do, you know, whether it's about birth control or falling pregnant or whether it's about your skin or whether it's about your health and well-being, whether it's about your relationship, no matter really what it's about, ask yourself a slightly different question. In terms of looking at what's wrong in, the li- in your life and in the situation, why not try asking what's right about it? So when you ask the question about what's right about this, What's good about this? What's purposeful about this? What's perfect about this? It forces the brain to fry a little bit because it's taking the brain down a path that it's not used to. And you begin to look for what's right and get into a place of acceptance. And it doesn't matter whether we're overweight or we're trying to fall pregnant. If we're in a state of resistance to our body mentally, what starts in the mind will always manifest in the body. So if we can find what's right about the situation, then it puts us into a place of acceptance of what's going on and what's happening in the body. And from acceptance, we can change. But from resistance, we can only create persistence. So I hope that hasn't um, confused anybody. But from a state of not liking what we've got or resisting what we've got or feeling negative about where we are or hating what's happening to us, and, you know, trust me, I totally get where you are and it absolutely makes you human. But it certainly doesn't solve the problem. So when we're looking at a holistic approach, don't forget to involve yourself psychologically in the process because the mind and the brain is probably more powerful than what we've ever given it credit for. And it's not a case that you've created this. Try not to look at it that way. Look at it from the perspective of how can I be in a place of acceptance for what is? for where it is right now. Let's not ask why. Let's not go in a circular um, questioning process of why is this happening and when did it start? Because really, you know, from a psychological perspective, there's no real answer to that question that changes the current circumstances. 
So the why can sometimes just be very circular. So instead of asking why, let's ask what is happening and how can I change it? How can I create a better circumstance? And the first question that I want you to ask yourself is what's right about this? What's right about having bad skin? What's right about not falling pregnant? What's right about all of those situations? Because from that place, you can, I guess, leap to a new level of excitement, actually. And it brings enthusiasm and it brings joy to the situation when you start looking at, well, this is right because um, I'm meant to fix my diet first. My God, thank God this is happening. I'm meant to fix myself physically first. So right now, how can I fix myself physically rather than why do I need to? And I think that you'll start to find you'll have very different answers, very different outcomes. And again, you know, from acceptance comes change, from resistance only comes persistence. And the current circumstances, I guarantee you, you don't want them to persist. So get curious and start questioning. That's just my thought. 10 seconds oh, worth. Karen, you're a man. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you look at things. You just completely turn it around and put it into oh. it. I needed to hear that today. Thank you. Oh, how beautiful you are. Oh, I, did. I did. I was, I was in the shower before we started and I just didn't want to get out of the shower and I, I was being really negative about, I don't want to go to work. I just want to stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, sister. I hear you. <laughs> so what's right about that? Well, staying home is what's right about that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But how nice it is, you know, how I fought to be here. I didn't want to be here in this house that I'm in right now. So interesting, Miss Karen. Interesting. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was also just going to add to, um, just for this lovely lady, because acne is such a big topic, is just some ingredients to avoid or to look for. Is that a good idea, just to throw yes. that in, just so people can avoid that? Um, we know that a lot of different products, natural and not natural, can cause acne. And for a lot of people, coconut oil um, is one that I would avoid if I had acne, just because it has a lauric acid ingredient, which um, actually kills acne um, bacteria and uh, acne not causing bacteria. That's the scientific term for it. Um, anyway, so yeah, the lauric acid in there is very, very good for most skin types, except when you've got acne. Um, so just avoid that. Anything that's got denatured alcohol is something to avoid, and you'll find that in a lot of toners and a lot of um, very astringent products. So to be avoiding that. Um, there's certainly things like um, if you see any colours or things like red dyes, which are usually numbers. So just I would avoid anything that says DNC red um, dyes or DNC anything, or I'd, I'd just avoid anything that had numbers. The minute I see PEGs or DEA or anything like that, it is usually a chemical, well, it is, it's a chemically based product. Um, you want to um, avoid things like silicones, so anything that has dimethicone in it, which is, you can also avoid things. And if you go, what I'll do is I can actually give to you a list of the ingredients to include in the show notes of what to avoid, if you like. Mm. And, and we all know propylene glycol and polyethylene glycol, those things are just nasty. They do not help with things, also known as your pegs. Um, so, you know, that's just a couple. But if it was me and parabens, I would stay away from. Um, so most, 90% of skincare ranges out there are preserved with parabens, whether it's ethyl, poly or propyl, um, methyl or ethyl parabens. So you've got all of those things to avoid. And I would also stay away from very um, irritating, they actually use it by dermatologists as a skin irritant, sodium lauryl sulfate or sodium lauryl sulfate. But it's actually in a lot of... Um, foaming washes and baths and shampoos. So really what you're trying to do is to support the liver to detox as much as possible, allow the skin to detox as much as possible. Therefore, don't put a barrage of ingredients onto or into the body that are going to put more emphasis on trying to detoxify those than what you're actually trying to create, um, which is to break that acne cycle. And I promise you it will stop. 
um, the pill unfortunately has masked, as Cindy alluded to, it has just masked the problem as opposed to healing the problem. So if it was me at the same time as doing a detox, you'd know that you do it with your husband or partner because at the same time you're both actually doing your bodies a favour on a much bigger level. The acne, as Karen has alluded to, is just a beautiful signal asking you um, how good this is that it's going to entice you to do a detox before you have babies. Uh, Kim, and just another thing on the sodium lauryl sulfate. Um, I'm noticing it's in a lot of uh, washing machine um, powders and liquids. Mm-hmm. And I met this beautiful Croatian lady. Uh, you know how you meet people at the right time. And we were talking about Russian tonics and um, for, for the immune system and maybe we'll have a chance to talk about that on another podcast or I might do a blog. I actually, I've already done a blog on it. But anyway, what she was saying is that to rinse out all the soap out of your clothes because remember that soap is going to stay in your towels, your sheets, your clothes and then you sleep in them, you wear them and you're wearing them constantly is in the final rinse instead of using a softener in, that, in where you put the softener, you put white vinegar. And it will pull out all the soaps out of your clothes, that white vinegar. Um, and it's cheap. You know, you can buy a big bottle of it for 99 cents or something and you just just put it in the softening um, barrel of your washing machine or in the final rinse, you just throw it in and it will draw out that sodium lauryl sulfate if you haven't. Because I've even noticed it on natural ones, which blew me away um, when I started to read the ingredients because we're becoming very interested in you know, how are these soaps made and who's making them and who's calling them natural and what are the main ingredients? Because they don't always put the main ingredients on the, um, you know, on the list. Like they don't, wines, you know, wine, nobody knows what's in wines or how wines are processed and how many chemicals are used. And it's the same with our, our, our soaps um, that we wash our clothes with. So um, that's just another little, that's a nice little tip from this beautiful Mila, a Croatian lady that I met. Oh, I love it. Mm. Beautiful. What's that, love? Do do we want to, because the next question kind of touches on this too, do we want to cover that too? Well, I I actually, I'm looking at our time and Mm -hmm. I think that this question, Kim, is going to take another Mm. podcast. But what Mm. I'd like to do is hint at what it's about, perhaps, and let's do that the next time we do question and answer. Uh, let's have that ready to go because I think her question is actually a question that's probably on many people's minds. Um, Do you want me to just quickly chat about what that question's going to be like? Well, we can at the end, but Karen, you were going to say something. I think I interrupted you, my darling. Oh, no, no, no. I was actually just going to say with Cindy on the time. I was just thinking I'm I'm hoping that we've we've covered everything that we needed to cover on the podcast because because I know that we're, we're skinny on time now. Mm, mm. That was all. Yeah. Oh, anyway, go ahead. Hint, hint, hint. Wait, wait, before, you go, before you go there, though, and it's only because our beautiful listeners, we're, we're only short on time, and, and they've probably very much noticed that it's getting more and more difficult to get the three of us together, and um, it's been a struggle at times. So we hope that you're all patient enough to know that we, we will do our absolute best every week to come to you, the three of us. Otherwise, sometimes we have individual interviews that we love to share or sometimes it's just the two of us. But Karen, my darling, one question that I've been asked a lot because we haven't had you for a couple of weeks is everybody has been asking how your papa bear is and how you are. Mm. So oh. maybe you could give us a little update before Cindy um, tells us and hints to what next week's podcast will be about. But um, could you just tell us, sweet pea, how you've been? Because we've all missed you. And Cindy, we're also incredibly proud of you for your TED Talk. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but, you know, we have so much we want to cover. But my darling Karen... We just want to know that you and your papa bear are okay. Oh, bless. Yes, we are. Um, my dad had um, what's typically referred to as delirium as a result of the medication and the um, anaesthetic. But, you know, the sad part was he was never warned about it, neither were we. And um, the medical staff, unfortunately, at the hospitals that he was in, they had no idea what delirium even was. 
So they were thinking that he um, had just shot downhill with dementia. And my father doesn't have dementia. He has had a little bit of short-term memory loss as he's gotten a bit older. He's 75. Um, but certainly not to the extent that it's ever been diagnosed as dementia and he has been tested. So um, it was very scary for us. What he, what he went for was a knee replacement and um, landed up being all about his mental condition. So he's just gone home after an extended stay in hospital. He went home two weeks ago. He's, he's not great, but he's definitely better. And my sister just spent the weekend with him and she said, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She said he is like a hundred percent better than what he was. So mm-hmm. it's all looking very positive. So thank you everybody for all of your love, your concern and your messages. I was absolutely overwhelmed with mm-hmm. love and messages. So thank you. Good to hear Karen. Really good. to yeah. hear. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably get oh. better and better. Yeah. 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 And got you. Little oh. Buffy. Oh, little Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> he never forgot my name, that's for sure. <laughs> and you give him squeezes from us. Yeah. Oh, we will. Absolutely, I will. And I, I did tell him that everybody was sending their love. I said, I said to him, do you know, Father? I said, there's approximately 2.5 million people sending you love right now. <laughs> I and love, I think in I his it. delirium, he didn't quite understand what I was saying, but I'll make sure that I let him know again. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> And Cindy, darling, I just, I have to hear, you have to tell everyone publicly. Um, I know we've had quite a heavy topic, this, this podcast, but I think it's been brilliant. But please tell us your experience of TEDx. Nerve wracking, uh, to say the least. Um, but overall, I met some amazing people doing amazing things. Only two spoke on health out of the whole 35 speakers. Uh, I, I learnt how to sell, say my message in 10 minutes, if anybody can believe that, but I did. I did my message in 10 minutes. And um, Ajit, who put it all on, Ajit George in Wilmington um, in Delaware, which is near Philadelphia, he, what an amazing host, what an amazing man, what an amazing energy. He's retired and he's, he basically does a TEDx every month. Um, whether it be for women, whether it be just a general one, he, he has a special theme. So I have to say that Ajit George was, and his, his wife and his mother-in-law I met, were just really amazing people. So overall, met lots of people, um, got close to my, very close to my comfort zone, I, or away from my comfort zone, I should say, but it was good for me. So um, in 30 days, it should be up. So I'll let everybody know when it's up and they can watch it. And, um, and I know that, I don't know if you've seen it, Karen, but I know Kim's watched it and her and Ruth both said, she's nervous. Of course I was nervous. Oh, well, where can I see it? <laughs> In, I, I don't know if you can see it anymore, but you will see it when they, they put it up on the TEDx stage. Yeah, right. Because I did watched go it live. I couldn't find it. We watched it live. She was brilliant. And then I, oh, I was texting okay. Ruth going, oh, she's nervous. Oh, my gosh, she's <laughs> Which, of course, you wouldn't. I don't know how many people are watching, but my gosh, oh, my gosh. I know, I know. It was, it was really scary because you've got 10 minutes to say everything. You have to say it succinctly. You can't hesitate. You can't make a mistake. You can't forget what you're saying. Um, you only have one time to do it, and that's it, you know, and, and you're going to the world. That was the message that I felt was important, and so... I didn't want to muff it up. And I, I started on one thing. I said five instead of four, and it was about the patents of glyphosate. I've never said five before. How the hell did I say five? And then that threw me, and I lost a word because when your reptilian brain comes in, you know, when you're on fight or flight, you know, the good words don't come through. <laughs> but anyway. I'm sure you just absolutely nailed it. <laughs> She so did, Ken. She so did. I can't imagine there ever being a situation where you don't nail it, Cindy. You've probably just been very hard on yourself, my love. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. But um, we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. I haven't seen it yet, Karen. So you're you're as blind as me at the moment. It's only Kimmy and yeah. All right. Let's um, let's talk about what we're going to talk about next week because I I actually believe it's a really important question. Hmm. And there's a big preamble, which I'm not going to 
talk about. We will talk about that in the, the beginning, the preamble of why she feels the way she feels, this, this beautiful lady or young woman. She says, I think the hardest thing for me, and here I come to my question and which you may be able to help me with, is that I have really lost confidence in my beliefs around food and health. Because I lost the baby at a time when I felt the healthiest I had ever felt, so confident in my convictions around health, I now feel embarrassed and like a fraud still, believing in it when despite focusing on health so much, my body failed to do such a basic primal thing, carry a baby. I know it's not my fault, but there is now some sort of barrier to getting back to fully trusting it again. That's a huge one. And... You know, I know there's going to be some mind in there, Karen, um, and and how she's. But I also want to really explain um, a lot of things about um, health. You know, we all think, oh, let's do this and we'll get better and we'll feel like this. But it's not always as it seems. And my TED Talk talked about that. I actually you know, said despite doing everything right, I still had issues. But then I had epigenetics and genetics that were playing a big role in that. And um, so, yeah, we'll, we will discuss that. And, and Kim, you'll have some wonderful things, I would say, um, to say about that. That's so a that, very confusing oh, time out there. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it, it's excellent. So it'll be a good topic and a good conversation. Absolutely. I come up with a new name for a, a phobia around around eating and you know not knowing what the heck to eat. There must be something if we've got what's that orthorexia nervosa. Yeah, that's it. Mm. So there must be something around what the hell do I eat, nosa? There must be something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think it'll be a great conversation, and I look forward to it. Actually, I look forward to it next mm. week. Oh, I love yeah. it! It'll be a fabulous, pod, fabulous podcast. Mm. yes well i think that brings us to the end then of today's podcast so thank you girls and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in so you can post your comments and your questions at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat or you can also go to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments and your questions there. And remember what I mentioned earlier when we first signed on to today's podcast. If you've got anything that you'd like us to talk about or any questions that you'd like to shoot through, now's the time to do it. So go to a Facebook page, send a private message or pop a note on the page right there on the thread and we'll get back to you guys. So it's a lovely way for us to stay very much connected to you. We really enjoy being able to answer your questions personally. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. We're going to see you here, same time, same station, next week on Up For A Chat, where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we are so going to see you on the ride. Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.